After reconnecting the entire team aboard the Zephyr, the crew takes a moment to rest and recuperate. Daisy climbs into the healing pod as Sousa stays by her side, testing out his new prosthetic leg. The new LMD Coulson powers down in his own station to recharge his battery. Deke and Enoch look over the time drive, which Enoch is guardedly optimistic that it will be fully operational again soon. As they bond, the drive kicks back up. Enoch backs up and says, it didn't work. And the Zephyr catapults through time once more. Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. In this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, or day by day, until the end of time. And today, we have a full episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to cover, which is why I did the preamble where I covered the end of Season 7, Episode 8, Yes, which is like kind of technically the start of this day, just so we can kind of spend the whole show today focusing on Season 7, Episode 9. And here's what happens. The Zephyr shakes and Daisy is awoken in her pod. She gets out of it and Sousa wakes as well, asking her why she's up. She dodges that question and asks how long he's been there. When did you go to sleep? Since then. Did we jump again? I'm not sure. Daisy leaves to go check on the status of everyone else with Sousa in tow. The ship has an alarm going off as Max says, I've got damage to nearly all systems. May says, trying to get a read on our location. The time drive is overcharged. Sousa is hopeful that that's 21st century slang for it's back to normal. Daisy goes to the front of the plane and asks, anyone want to fill me in on that? They are hurtling through a rift in time and space with a bright light at the end of the tunnel, and we can see faint outlines of other versions of the ship, uh, just barely out of sync with ours as we get the title screen. Sousa states that he was much happier asleep. There's a large spark, and Yo-Yo pops up on a screen saying, Looks like something just fried the Quinjet's flight system. Uh, we can't afford to lose that. You anywhere nearby? But since Yo-Yo has gotten her powers back, she's always nearby. So she goes to check it out. Simmons, are you seeing this? Most systems on the screen are flashing red. Radiation levels are off the chart. We need to get out of this. Deke shows up saying that he doesn't want to alarm anyone, which Mac makes a snappy comeback about not ruining the moment of Zen, but Deke continues to let them know that they're in a time storm. They jumped within a jump and it tore a hole in space-time, and they are now being sucked into the vortex like they're circling the drain. If they get pulled in, they will cease to have ever existed, or be reduced to the size of an atom? Eh, we're still out on the science on that one. So it's pulling us in? Yes, we're 94 kilometers away. There's another explosion, and Mac gets hit. I can't see! The radiation has caused this, and it has shorted out the doors on the Quinjet as well. Yo-Yo is now stuck inside. Deke, gets, uh, Deke goes to help Yo-Yo, and Daisy helps Mac get to Simmons. Simmons? You guys okay? She turns and gasps when she sees Mac. But she has something for the radiation burns. 
So she opens a drawer and finds a lot of medical equipment, plus a Rubik's Cube and Tattletale for Men that Deke left lying around. Gross. Uh, she freezes when she sees them, but then gets back to work. Enoch asks if Simmons wants help looking at the time drive. She wants to help Mac first, but insists time uh, insists uh, he insists rather the time drive first. There's another radiation flare, and then there's a fire on the starboard side. Daisy rushes off to take care of it. I mean, we are literally putting out fires as they happen. Things are moving quickly. Uh, May says it's not going to be the last one, and as Daisy begins to ask a question, the time drive begins whirring in an extremely irregular pattern. Is that supposed to... Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. In this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, or day by day, until the end of time. That's right, James. And today, we have a full episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to cover, which is why I did the preamble where I covered the end of Season 7, Episode 8 before the show, so we can spend the full show focusing on Season 7, Episode 9. And here's what happens. After a bright flash of light, Daisy awakes in her pod. She gets out of it, and Sousa wakes as well, asking her why she's up. She's confused and only kind of half asks him how long he's been there. When did you go to sleep? Since then. Before the conversation even finishes, she runs out of the room. He looks confused and follows. An alarm is sounding in the Zephyr. Mac. I've got damage to nearly all systems. May. Trying to get a read on our, uh, on our location. Sousa. What happened? May. Time drive overloaded. Any chance that's 21st century slang for worked normally? Daisy moves to the front of the ship and looks out the window. No way. They are hurtling through a rift in time and space with a bright light at the end of the tunnel, and you can see faint outlines of the other versions of the ship just barely out of sync with ours as we get the title screen. Sousa states that he was so much happier asleep. There's a large spark, and Yo-Yo pops up on a screen saying, Looks like something just fried the Quinjet's flight system. We can't afford to lose that. You anywhere nearby? But Yo-Yo has her powers back, so she's always nearby. And she goes to check it out. Simmons, are you seeing this? Daisy says, Oh no. There's a major brain fart happening. Most systems on the screen are flashing red. Simmons responds, radiation levels are off the charts. You guys, something is happening to me. We need to get out of this. Deke runs up and says, I don't want to alarm anyone, but Daisy interrupts. We're trapped in a time storm. You took the words right out of my mouth. Being pulled into the vortex, circling the drain. Yeah, we're 91 kilometers away. Crap. She rushes to the door and closes it as just as a blinding light flashes in the next room where Mac had been headed. Yo-Yo pops back up asking what just hit them. Daisy informs them that she's trapped on the Quinjet. That flare just shorted the doors. Deke, kind of in awe, quietly says that he'll go help and rushes off. May and Mac look to Daisy. What's going on with you? I don't know. But I do know that Simmons is working on the time drive schematics right now, and that's obviously connected. Mac and May stay back to work while Daisy goes to help Simmons, again with newborn puppy Sousa following close behind. Simmons? You guys okay? I think I'm time-looping. I've done this already. Oh, well, that's fun. That's actually creepy. <laughs> I'll check you. Simmons opens a drawer and freezes. Is that Deke's gross 80s cologne? Simmons incredulously pulls it out. Cue Enoch. Enoch walks in. Agent Simmons, would you like some help examining the time drive? Definitely. If you could... Mac intercoms in. The flares keep coming. Daisy states that there's a fire on the starboard side, and she goes uh, to grab the fire extinguisher, and she goes after it. Sousa is concerned. 
Daisy gets the fire out and starts to radio Mac when she comes across Coulson in his power station. As she reaches for the button, the time drive whirs irregularly, and we zoom in on her face as the light begins to intensify and... Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, podcast for forever. I'm Colin. He's James. What do we do, James? Day by day, we, we're going through the MCU timeline. Right. Day by uh, day. Yeah, this is season seven, episode nine in its entirety. Here's what happens. Huh. Daisy wakes again. This time, she lightly gets out of the pod to avoid waking Sousa. Mac, I've got damage to nearly all systems. May, trying to get a read on... Daisy interrupts her. Shut the cockpit door. Watch the control panel. She runs into Coulson's room and hits the button. Hey, listen, okay, I need your help. You won't believe this, but I keep... He answers, repeating the same events over and over again. Yeah, how long did it take you to figure it out this time? She is confused, to say the least. He doesn't want to have to repeat everything again, but since but since uh, he has to, that means that she died again. I died again? And you always say it just like that. He explains everything. That's awful. It's annoying, because who has to teach you every time? This guy. We've done this 14 times so far. Now, listener, I get it. 14 times sounds like a lot, but not after you find out that she's died 14 times, and we've been through this loop 87 times. Or 87 that he knows about, because she doesn't come power him up every time. By the way, the level of sass from him in this episode <laughs> is ungodly. Uh, the radiation is off the charts, so is Coulson's sass. <laughs> yeah. uh, and speaking of, the whirring begins. She's not ready, but he's got some attitude. He tosses his power-up button through a window and tells her to wake him up this time. Okay, welcome to Timeline Scavengers, podcast forever with Colin and James. James, listen, what? I have bad news. Oh, okay. I think our podcast is in a time loop. Wait, really? Yeah, okay, listen, I'm going to try and get us through as many loops and bits as I possibly can on this one so that okay. we don't have to relive all of it. Is that cool? That's cool with me, yep. All right, here's all of season seven, episode nine. Daisy awakes, stops the sparks, gives shorthand warnings to everyone, and powers up Coulson. The time drive is looping back on itself like a record skipping. We've got some flashes of new conversations... Uh, of them getting over past attempts, or rather past failures, to exit the time loop. We know for sure it's the time drive because space is irrelevant here, so time is the only answer. One yet another loop, sorry, on yet another loop, Coulson reveals that they're running out of time. Can't we just keep doing it until we get it right? Oh, you haven't noticed the numbers. You really are behind. She awakens again, going through all the points as fast as she possibly can. Deke runs up as she says, time storm. I don't want to alarm anyone, but yeah, that's right. How far away are we? Uh, 79 kilometers? Thanks for asking. Weird attitude also. Uh, <laughs> Daisy runs off as they go over the numbers. He says 79, but it was 94. But it used to be a lot more than that. Each loop resets us, but it also brings the Zephyr a little closer to the vortex and destruction. That means they've got to solve faster. Another time loop. This time, Daisy tells everyone immediately they're repeating time. Sparks, Yo-Yo, Simmons, Deke. She points to the sparks happen, and then to Yo-Yo when she first comes on. Mac, perplexed, asks if she's nearby. She and Yo-Yo say in chorus, Hey, it's, it's me. me. Everywhere's, Everywhere's nearby. I'm already here. here. I'll check, check it out. out. To which Yo-Yo also kind of like, uh, and then leaves. <laughs> um, then points over, radiation levels are off the chart, uh, is what she says. And then, of course, radiation levels are off the chart. And Deke doesn't want to alarm anyone. He runs up and says the line. Now they need to solve. Deke says that they're now 65 kilometers away. Deke then runs off to look for answers, which is really just him talking to Simmons about removing her memory implant so they can solve the problem. He's kept her secret until now, when Coulson and Daisy enter. They all go over the importance of the implant and not knowing where Fitz is, uh, because that's what the Chronicoms, you know, want, and that's what would they do with that information, etc. You get it. If they take out that implant and get the answer, though, when the loop restarts, it'll be back in her head. As proof that the time loop is happening and that they can take the risk, Daisy has Simmons choose a random word out loud. 
They both say phlebotinum at the same time, confirming it's not the first time. She goes to remove the device and begins a coughing fit and then keels over. As they try to get to her, Enoch asks, how are the doors locked? But it's too late. She's dead. Another loop, another phlebotinum. They start the process with Daisy in the room with her. It happens again, and Daisy barely gets the door open, but they both die. Colson realize how, realizes how much this sets them back. What a pain in the ass. Enoch finds a cut in a gas line in the room. Not a natural leak. It was cut. It was deliberate. Almost as if it were murder. Yeah, we get it. Timeline, Colin, James, MCU forever. You know it. James, are you still with us so far? Day by day by day. Okay, good. Uh, that was act one. So act okay. two and three will hopefully go much faster, I assure you. Well, I'm assuming I can assure you. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts and feelings on act one uh, since I've been talking for quite a while. So what are your thoughts on this part so far? It's good. <laughs> if that was it, that would be really, really funny. <laughs> um, I love a time loop. And Same. I love uh, the psychology of do you decide to, to just go it alone? Or do you try and convince someone, you know, there's that whole, like, you know, if you have a roommate or like a, you know, a best friend or whatever, do you work out a code for we're in a time loop, mm. you know, whatever. I think that Colson knowing that they're in a time loop is Certainly kind helpful. of a refreshing, cool, like a uh, bug that you don't really see very often where it's like, oh, someone's already there with him. There's it, a cause it, imagine it, Groundhog Day if, if someone else also knew, you know, right. There's um, hold on. Uh, replay. There's this book, Replay, that I love. When I first got it, it was Winter Break, freshman year of college. I got it and Elliot Smith's Either Or, which is a great winter album. And I put that on my my CD player, probably my Discman, and listened to it over and over and over again and read the book Replay fr- cover to cover and then back to the front and started reading it again all in this one night. Like, it was fantastic. This guy goes keeps going back to, like, he dies and gets... He come, like returns to consciousness and he's 18. He goes through his whole life. He dies. He returns to consciousness and he's 22, etc. So it's sort of a time loop sort of deal. But at some point, he runs into he, he like sees he sees something that happens before like Steven Spielberg does his whole late 70s, early 80s sort of coup of mm-hmm. you know cinema that only someone who knew what Steven Spielberg was going to be up to would do. And so he knows that whoever is the head of that film company is also looping and that's how he meets the love interest of the story. And it is very, very good. It's called replay. And I don't remember who it's by, but it's very good. Uh, and I think we did another bachelor obsessed episode about it, but we certainly talked about it anyways, go read it. It's fantastic. This with Colson reminds me a little of that. Cause it's like, Oh, thank God. Uh, someone someone else, yeah. that is. Yeah, exactly. It's also very interesting because like, I mean, I really, really love a time loop anything, yeah. but yeah. especially like this kind of thing, especially where, again, there's a dynamic where everyone is aware of it. I genuinely, I, I think that my favorite story in like the adventure zone ever was the 11th hour. Sure. I mine, mine too. loved well. that one so desperately. Um, yeah. Uh, Crystal kingdom actually was a very close second, but the time loop is really hard to beat. Um, yeah. But like, I think it's also great because it's also kind of a reversal of roles in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, typically uh, he has to go get Daisy mm-hmm. to get, you know, to get certain things done or whatever. But also like, She's kind of like the teenage daughter, you know, even though they're, she's a full grown adult, she's usually the one kind of giving the sass and he's the one being kind of the straight man. And in this yeah. one, she's being the straight man. And he's like, um, okay, what a waste. What a pain <laughs> in the ass. Like all that stuff. I was like, cause you don't always wake me up, you know, taking the thing and just like literally chucking it through a glass door and being like, and please wake me up this time. It's like, God, Colson, Jesus Christ, dude. Um, yeah. it's very funny watching them sort of flip, flip the script a little bit there. Um, 
Okay, there is an uh, an issue of X Factor. The uh, the recent one that I think started in 08 through 05, through fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter David's X Factor, where it's called Run Layla Run, and it is Layla, one of my favorite characters, uh, doing uh, a time loop. And at one point, have you seen Run Lola Run? Do you know that movie? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't believe Run so. Lola Run is also a time loop. Uh, it's a German movie where this woman has to get her her boyfriend is a drug dealer, and she has to get the money he owes the mob to the mob before they kill him or something. Mm. At one point in the comic book, Layla runs into this redheaded German lady at this like cross like intersection, mm-hmm. and it, they don't comment on it. They don't say anything about it. But if you know Run Lola Run, you see that she's wearing the right things, and mm. like it's it's a just a little thing that yeah. this is, this is happening in the you know whatever. Um, just a little ref. Yeah, it's a you know you, you kind of the loops are so uh, like a loop story is so weird because like like sliding doors is kind of a, a it's not it's an alternate universe. It's like Alternate timelines, like sliding doors, are yes. like almost like you've zoomed in on a loop. Like you're doing one loop or two loops. Yeah, really close up. What's funny is that like what's cool about sliding doors to me is that it very much feels like Loki and like the idea of like a diverging timeline, but right. one that like kind of sort of almost fulfills itself in a way. Because yeah. like what's interesting is that like both yeah like both have very different stories, but like the, it's all stemming from one thing. So like they both sort of yeah veer off in totally separate directions because of right. that one initial step. Uh, right. But then they also flip the script around on themselves by the end, you know, so then you're like, oh, and then you're kind of like, and then you're always left with which one happened. Right, exactly. Cool. Right. Um, and then one last thing that I want to bring up, uh, the Netflix show Russian Doll, which mm, I would be yeah. interested in, in in looking at when season one of Russian Doll came out versus when this episode came out, because like, it's close. Like, mm. I mean, I know they're both just sort of classic time loop stories, but like, Season one of Russian Doll and this episode, if you like, hey, listen, if you like this episode as much as I do, and this is, I was realizing watching it, and I tweeted about it, this is my favorite episode of season seven, if not the whole Same. show. Yeah, uh, this is easily of season seven. It's hard to beat it, I think, really for the rest of the show. But, yeah. like, there's yeah. some stuff that might be a little bit more, like, classic, like, actual procedural, like, in right. terms of, like, what S.H.I.E.L.D. is supposed to be. So, like, yeah. there might be, like, reasons why something from previous right. seasons might beat it out in that yeah. regard. but. For sure, the energy of this episode is, is yeah. exactly the thing for me. You know? Yeah. And so if you like this episode and you haven't watched, season two gets into more of a time travel area, but season one is this episode, but a whole season of TV. And it's right. great. Natasha, Natasha, not Henstridge, that's Species. Natasha Leone? I think that's it. Sorry, I know this isn't important. Yeah, but Leone. Uh, Leone, yeah, L-Y-O-N. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways. Uh, go check that out. That's all that I have to say. I think for Act One, I just love it. Um, Good dialogue. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sousa's sweet, Mac, and you know, what, yeah, it's it's. I was thinking about it. It's also a bottle episode, which is kind of interesting. It is, yeah. Like yeah, you, you get to points where you don't need necessarily to show every moment of it, which I think is yeah. very important. Like there yes. are gonna be times where you do have to kind of start from the very beginning, but like yes. there are a lot of moments where like you can just get the the flash and recognize, okay, yeah. it's happening. Right, you know, we we get why. Or suddenly at this point, you know, we understand the things that lead up to this moment. Um, yeah. And it's also why some of the, the you really just see the bits that you need to see right. at certain times. Like it's important in the beginning that they repeat literally every moment so that you can understand that for them, they do always say the exact same line the exact same way. You know, yeah. the way Max says his stuff, the way May says, I mean, like they are literally every single time they walk into that room, that interaction is exactly the same unless they're interrupted. Right. Um, I was, we're going to talk about the direction when we get to Avengers Ensemble, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about, like directing Daisy for each time she gets out of the pod. Like, okay, so this, t- we're going to film all of these at once, mm-hmm. but this time you need to get out warily. 
this right. time you need to get out reluctantly and i need you to know that you know this time those very as fast as you possibly can this yeah. time you have to start to get out and then literally think about how quietly you're going to put your feet down like yeah. that sort of thing like it's yeah. really interesting and important yeah but it's very fascinating to see how many different times she does actually in fact get up or get out because you 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 do each yeah yeah just scene of each loop in the same like yeah. it'd be today we're shooting this right yeah yeah, yeah. why yeah. would you go do the rest of the show come back do it again yeah yeah, yeah. um okay so here we go right. yep uh back to agents of shield season seven episode nine here is what happens Daisy wakes up, but of course now doesn't remember where they left off, so we begin the entire thing again. This time, Deke lets us know that we're about 48 kilometers from the Vortex. Eventually, we get back to waking Coulson, who catches her up as fast as possible, but lets her know that someone is committing murder to keep the memories hidden away. They try to explore all avenues. Who would kill to keep this a secret? Can you get Yo-Yo out to make it happen faster? No. And we get so many more. Phlebotinum. Uh, but this time, Deke's, Deke's stuff is already out of the drawer. Something is off. Sousa picks it up... Uh, Susa picks up on it being a trap and recognizing that her dying sets them way back. So he picks it up. And at first it seems like he's wrong. And then it suddenly injects him with something lethal and he dies. Colson and Daisy spend one loop trying to figure out who it is, what's happening, and having a heart-to-heart about the emotional toll this day is taking on them. Especially Colson, who hates seeing them die over and over again. Especially Daisy. Uh, they talk about how it's a metaphor and how true this is to his life now. She thinks that she gets to have a say about having experienced a friend die over and over again. <laughs> Oh no, I mean, she's dying again. Oh no, yeah. I was making a point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that <laughs> hits him hard, but he reminds her that he is now effectively eternal. I am Icarus. He says, oh, no, sorry, wrong problem. Oh. <laughs> he says, he quietly tells her, I will watch all of you die one by one. Everyone that I like. I promise. Yeah. Today. Uh, because someone decided I should. <laughs> He's in the middle of an emotional monologue when he gets that uh, to the point where he has programming now, and that it won't even let him. <gasps> Wait a minute. Enoch. What did I just say? Exactly. <laughs> we just said that in a recent episode, too. Yeah. Uh, last goes, one. Exactly. It's Enoch. Next loop, they figure out that Enoch has programming that would keep anyone and everyone from letting the implant come out. They don't all believe or understand it, but it's programming meant to override everything should it come up. They test it foolishly by letting Daisy be the one to do it. Hello? Uh, <laughs> the minute the device is near Simmons, he kicks into hunter mode and chokes Daisy out, saying he must protect it at all costs, even if he has to kill, including killing her, meaning Simmons, sorry. Right. Daisy quakes him across the cargo hold, and then he sits up with an, oh dear, as he realizes that it's all true. <laughs> Daisy wakes up again. This time, she and Sousa share a touching moment. She then goes on to Simmons, and they begin to take out the device before Enoch can find out, but of course he shows up and tosses them around. Next loop, Coulson wakes up and is like, okay, see where we went wrong is, and they remember that he's already <laughs> headed to the lab when the loop starts. Um, it is so funny the way he wakes up, being like, okay, listen, I get it, you're going to be mad, but like, this, here's what we're, like, we were right, we, this is just where we went wrong. It's just the attitude of that is so, uh, so funny. I meant to say silly and funny, and I said sunny. Um, oh. So this time, on this next loop, they have Sousa attempt it, and boy does he try. But that boy did not roll well on his charisma check. <laughs> is there a reason you are creating false pretenses in order to keep me in this location? Cut to, let's get this done quick before, well, that. The door opens and Sousa lets out a muffled, sorry, as Daisy <laughs> rolls her eyes and Enoch pounces. Next loop, they just try talking to him, just to talk him through it, you know? We think you're going to laugh, or at least see the irony in it. Smash cut to them being beaten up. He did not see the irony. No, Listen, he did smash not. smash cut. Is... It really is a smash cut, yeah. <laughs> uh, next loop, Simmons asked him to do something which would counter a previous command she'd given. However... Another smash cut to everyone being beaten up. In retrospect, I should have known I'd make countermanding that uh, order. Password dependent. Um, I think I said countermanding, so countermanding. Whatever. Um, next loop. The, uh, the whole team fights him, and the whole team gets whooped. Uh, another loop. get all those weapons? I know, that's good. Another loop. Daisy walks, uh, uh, nope. Daisy wakes and talks with Susa. Tells him of the time loop and asks how he can help her. He asks, rather, how he can help her. She decides, you know what, I can take a loop. And they talk. He talks about how she thinks that he's unfazed, but he is. He just doesn't show it. At least not on his face. She talks about how he's always willing to help her, waiting to make her rest, things like that. She wants to know why. He says, honestly? And that's always like, yeah, no, just lie to me, buddy. Uh, and then he says, uh, I know you're tight. My what now? Uh, 
See, that's one of those lines that we get a lot of, by the way, in, in yeah. these types of shows. And that's one that I'm fine with keeping. Right. You know, I hate the he's right behind me, isn't he? Right. But yeah. any of the my what now? Like that is yeah. that's comedy gold to me. Um you gotta subvert that he's right behind me or else it's not gonna work. You have true. to like set it up and then he's not right. Something then, like that. then you turn to say something and that's when they show up and you're like, right. Yeah, it's so crazy. Oh my god. And then they're actually in front of you. You're like, yeah. you know, oh, that's no, see, that's back to funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um okay, so uh, I know people like you. Some of his favorite people are like her, focused on the greater good, even at her own expense. Wanting people to think she's uh wants people to think she likes being alone despite always being back with her friends she hates losing everybody hates losing yeah but she'll keep running at the problem full tilt until she solves it or slams headlong into a brick wall when folks like her run into those walls they need someone to help pick them back up you like to be that guy uh, not for everyone it helps if they're fun to be around you know they say what they mean and if they have that superpower where they can rock things around it's uh very impressive <laughs> it's awfully specific but there it is and now it's time to solve the problem Okay, time. Host, season seven, episode nine. That was act two. James, thoughts? Um, I love the uh, when they are like the when they do the group. You know, let's 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 take them down as a group, and it's smash cuts, and they're all lying in a pile, and they say, oh, "God, where did you get all those weapons from?" Which is a funny. That's a funny thing to just use theater of the mind for Correct, what yeah. that means. And then two, they're like, "Is Deke dead?" Oh yeah. Am I supposed to be sad about that? Nah. And I was like, "What a cold thing to say." I was like, "No, but they're time looping. It's literally right. Be. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, but." It's still like, is Deke dead? Oh, yeah. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it's the thing where it's kind of like, well, I watched him, you know, Kali Ma, like, pull his heart out of this <laughs> right. kind of situation. It's like, I don't right. think you come back from that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it is silly things like that. Like, I like when they kind of force you to sort of imagine what's happened there. Yeah. Um, you know, but imagine also, like, the, the, the direction of that. Yeah. Okay, we're going to film uh, Gemma and, and, and Sousa and Daisy. All right, now, uh, Mac and, and everyone else come in, lie down. What is it, a cuddle pile? No, no, no. No, no, no. It, it's a it's a just been defeated pile. Oh, okay, cool. All right, like it's just I don't know. I, I like the idea of everyone sort of lying down and getting situated. Yeah, I don't know why. It's it's just no, cozy. I, I also like things like the also the things like the where do you get all those weapons, right? Like that sort of thing to me is just like okay, we're gonna hit record. We'll just like yeah. tell you when to stop, and then we're just gonna keep rolling, and then you give us another yeah, like another take. And I'm yeah. sure half of those lines are improvised. Yeah, gotta be. You know, that, like, that's even, the kind of thing that yeah. even the deep being dead thing. Like it's probably <laughs> just that they specifically told him that he doesn't have any lines or something like that. Yeah, you know? or whatever. Or who knows? Maybe they do tell him that he's dead. The idea is that like they might address it every time, they might not. You yeah, know? we'll just sort yeah. of see where they go with it. But like, yeah, like I just think it's like that sort of thing. It very much reminds me of being in like theater in high school. Yes. You know, it's yes. like, all right, you know, don't be too loud because even though they have mics, you know, we still need to be able to hear them. But like, have a little bit of a hubbub as you're walking off stage, kind of right. thing, like from an ensemble thing. And the things that people would say to you, you know, because yeah. it's like no one's really going to hear it. But the things where you just know that like someone is saying something that's a little wild or whatever under their breath or something is yeah. always very funny to me. You know, I know it's not supposed to be funny, right? Because it is actually kind of deeply traumatic, right? But the moment where he picks up, where sorry, where Sousa picks up the device, yeah. right? And he, because they're kind of arguing about it, but then he kind of does like a, oh, I'm too quick, right? Yeah. Like the way he grabs it and like, oh, you know, you couldn't get to it before I could, right? Like, oh, ha, 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 right? Like right. there's like a little bit of gloating for a second there. And then they're both yeah. sort of sitting there and he's kind of looking at it and he's kind of like, oh, yeah. He makes this really funny face when he's like, yeah. eh, maybe I was wrong kind of thing. And as he's making that face, like as his like hand moves, you hear the little tink, you know, of like something <laughs> yeah. injecting him. Yeah. And the way he just sort of goes from being like, oh, <clears throat> and just kind of goes straight face. And then like yeah. the second he sits down like against the, like the desk and you're like, oh, God, what's it going to be? It's for, I don't know why, but suddenly just like spitting up like a, a little blood. It's yeah. not, even, it's, yeah, it's, it's more of like, it's almost like it's blood, but it's also like already, um, like globbing up what's that called? Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's like already coagulating, like as it's coming out, which is like, you know, clearly something horrifically wrong inside of his body. But like, it almost just looked like he just like had pudding or like jello right. in his mouth and was just like, right. and like, it shouldn't be funny, but there is something about, at least maybe, maybe the first time I watched it, I was like, oh no. But the second yeah. time, cause I knew it was going to happen. I was just kind of like, <laughs> look at him go. Just the way yeah. he's like, <laughs> 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 just like a funny commitment. Yeah, for sure. I, I also like sort of a similar thing that makes me laugh is I think it's I think it's when uh, Seuss is supposed to be distracting and he comes in and 
Enoch like hurls Daisy and she's like, oh, come on. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's great because he does two hurls in that moment, right? So when he first walks in, he's, he's got Sousa like by like the collar of his shirt. Like right. he's like picked him up, but he also has like a rope in his mouth or like it's a tie or something because he has something like across his mouth. So you yeah. can hear him talk, but it's like, like I said, it's muffled. So the way yeah. he's just like, you know, like, like, he really does feel bad as he's like, like they walk through the room. He tosses him to one side. And like, as he's saying, sorry, that's when Daisy's like, Ugh, like rolls her eyes because she knows that for sure the next thing is going to be her. And like he, every time he tosses her, again, it's that funny thing about how the time loop works is that yeah. he tosses her twice in that room. And yeah. both times it's the exact same throw, exact same impact, right. Right. Um, which is very funny and like very cool because yeah. uh, they clearly had to be shot in two separate ways because right. not everyone is standing in the same place and stuff like that. So like very interesting cuts there, but like it's yeah. it's very good and very, very funny. Shout um, out to the script supervisor. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I'm sure that might also somehow be in. No? Oh, okay. it, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be, but it can be. Oh, I, I thought maybe you were dropping that to kind of no, be like, I, oh, and I'm excited about That's a brilliant thing to do. I yeah, thought for, about the for something like this, we definitely should. Okay. So while you're doing that, let's get to the final bit of this, which is act three. Here's what happens. They've solved it. Simmons asks the age-old question of, you wouldn't do this unless lives were at stake, right? But this time, it's to Sousa. He tells her to wait there, and he'll go prep the procedure. Enoch overhears this and follows. He tells Sousa that he can't remove it. Sousa says, oh, I won't. And they enter Colson's room. Mac, May, and Yo-Yo join. They know he'll win and leave, but they're going to slow him down so that Daisy can remove the implant. But they aren't fast enough. Just as they go to do the procedure, the thing starts up, and he says, we have to go faster. Colson says this, sorry. So, next loop. Daisy wakes up, and Sousa is now up too. I need you to do something for me. Of course, what do you need? But this time, after all the stuff that they've been through and the question that he answered for her previously, she now kind of sees him in a new light. So she steps forward and kisses him. <gasps> Yay! But also, girl, you are wasting precious time. You just said go faster. Come on. Yeah. She recognizes that and goes, hmm, my dude. That was nice. But now we have to go trap a space robot. This is one of the few moments where he is a little bit based because he's kind of like, what? You know, like He makes a face yeah. like, what does that even mean? Um, and they do just that. Despite the waste of time, they get to Gemma quicker. They're only 11 kilometers out this time when they remove the implant. Her memories flood back. She cries just a little bit. And then she comes to and tells him that Enoch, although has, he has been against them, he is actually the key. His electrochron displacement mechanism. Ah, uh, yes, a thing we all know about. But it's what chronicons use to regulate energy stability. The problem is that taking this device out would kill Enoch. Suddenly, Gemma starts absolutely sobbing and continuously muttering, what have I done, over and over. And then a time loop. The time loop begins again. The Zephyr is perilously close to the vortex. The mood is somber, to say the least. Daisy takes care of the additional moments and then tells Simmons to bring Enoch with her to the LMD lab. Deke walks up and she asks how close they are. He's confused how she knows, but they're less than a kilometer away. This is it. It's now or never. She asks Deke to come with her, and the four meet up with Coulson and Daisy, uh, and they explain the situation and the solution. Simmons asks how they would even know, uh, but they tell her she's the one who told them. Enoch nods. Yes, I understand. But Gemma doesn't. How could she have told them? She doesn't even know what that is. They tell her that she does know, but she forgot, and they helped her remember. Simmons and Deke share a panicked look. They discuss that however they got there, they'll solve it. Simmons realizes that this means that there must be a risk to Enoch. She begins asking and rather demanding for another solution that they can't just expect Enoch to, and she doesn't even get to finish that sentence. Enoch reaches into his own chest and pulls out his EDM. No, uh, sorry, that's a bad moment. He pulls out his EDM. I believe this is what you need. They stand there in shock. What did you do? What needed to be done, apparently? Simmons realizes that he'll die, but he states that they'll all live, and he would like to think that Fitz would do the same for him that all of them would. We get one of the visual cues of lights to show how much time we have left. Simmons and Deke share a brief moment with Enoch and then rush off to fix the drive. Once they're gone, Enoch begins to feel ill and collapses to the floor with their help. Deke fixes up the drive and they're moments away from escape. Enoch asks if they should be in the command center, but they know that the right thing to do is to be there for him in his final moments. Daisy asks if it hurts. He says it does, but not so much physically. In all of his thousands of years of observing humans, he has never felt lonely. But now that he has met them, this particular group of agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or these particular agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., rather, uh, being alone, meaning, uh, meant, sorry, meant feeling lonely. He is now feeling anxiety at fear of being alone. 
But they promise to stay with him until the end. But it's that last part, isn't it? You can stay with me up until the end, but you can't come with me at the end. I will have to leave you, and I will have to do that alone. I can't help but feel that when that comes, will I feel lonely? Coulson reveals that he's not wrong, uh, but that that loneliness is short for the one dying. The people left behind, less so. That's the advantage of going first. The therapy of the whole episode kind of finally hits all of them in a different way. It's lonely watching all of your friends go first, isn't it? I have been through that as well. It can be harder to stay than to leave. Daisy thanks Enoch one last time that they will all survive because of him. Uh, Agent Johnson, while you all may survive, the team will not. Carry on this mission and cherish it, for it will be your last mission together. While it seems impossible, difficult to hear or even accept, we are reminded people arrive so we celebrate and people leave us so we grieve. We do what we can with the time in between, but the cycle is always there. No one escapes it. Not even me. You're a part of the cycle, like every living thing. Enoch pauses. Fitz. He was my best friend. And you were a good friend to Fitz. You were a good friend to all of us. As I have always. There's a large surge of electricity. The ship drops out of the vortex, and Enoch passes. Finally, to wrap it all up, back in Afterlife, which is unfortunately named for a moment like this, Cora practices her new control over her powers, and Nathaniel praises her and tells her, your sister is going to be so impressed. All right, Act 3, thoughts? Um, well, I mean, there's the whole uh, confronting mortality thing, mm -hmm. which... It's a weird thing. Um, having an environmental perspective on death is, has been really helpful for me. Um, like, you know, everyone dies alone, but you all, be you know, you go back into, you know, the world, the, you know, the universe. And that that's always been a source of comfort for me where it's like, you know, you don't just, it's not just like, you're gone. It's like, you're going back to where you were before you have consciousness. Like this podcast I used to listen to was like, wh you know, where were you during the French revolution? That's where you're going to after death. Okay. Like you, you, you have no memory before. So it's the same. You were, you're here for a time and then you're gone. It's weird. It's a weird group of people to talk because, you know, Coulson has died a bunch of times. Enoch has not died ever. But it's seen a whole bunch of people like all you know, all the different experiences plus Daisy, um, and I think that that's really interesting. I remember when she said "thank you," being like, Ugh, "What do you say to that?" And I'm like, James, now is not the time for anxiety about what you say to a thank you. You're dying. It's fine. You don't need to put yourself like that's sure. a fine thing. Uh, you know, Fitz was my best friend, and you were a good friend to him too. I was like, not a. Not a great friend, but and I, I like she. It's it's yeah. She's doing mean. great. She's doing great. My, my my brain is like, what's that mean? Again, it's I like we're fighting. Like it also could be very different too from the outside looking in, right? Because yeah. like I also think like it's one of those things where I feel like part of me would be like, if that was me, I would be like worried yeah. about what that meant. But at the same time, I also think that if I was more worried about the fact that I was dying, yeah. I think if yeah. I then heard that, I would just be like, okay, cool. They they affirmed that I was like, that I meant a lot to both him yeah. and to everyone else there. You yeah. know, like, cool, good, good, good. That, you know, I feel like that's where my brain would go. Yeah. Um, it the, is, oh, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, were you going to say more on that? I have one more thought. Uh, Okay, go ahead, more more on that. Um, I I will say, going through that, like, last few moments and stuff like that, like, uh, I was getting emotional writing it. I I heard. I was getting emotional speaking it. Like, Enoch was a really, really great character. um, And that's one of those things about, like, you know, good characters, especially ones that have, like, deep connections with folks, like, you kind of can't help but feel that, you know, and it does make you think sometimes a little bit, like you said, like about like recognizing and dealing with mortality, but it makes you think of like, I mean, I don't know, this might not be for, this might not be how everyone handles things. This is certainly how I do, but like sometimes when watching things like that, I kind of can't help but think like, what is it going to be like for me when this person like that fills that kind of role in my life, you know, when they go, Right. What's that going to be like? You know, like this, is it going to be like this? Will I get to have that moment? Right. What happened before I even get a chance to say some of those things, you know? Um, but like, it's also uh, very Star Trek two, you know, Wrath of mm-hmm. Khan. Oh, very much. I yeah. mean, like the, it is, and I don't know what's more tragic, right? Uh, getting to finish the sentence and then dying yeah. You know, uh, because like then you have to deal with like, you know, heat like every, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess they're both pretty tragic because like either way, it's their final words are to you. But like the way instead of as I have always been, like he doesn't get to get to the word Ben. Yeah. And as I have always. And then that's yeah. it. You know, and you're like, ugh. you know, it just like it hits you. Um, yeah. And I don't know. It's just also one of those things where Enoch is great because he does have emotion. Yes. Doesn't necessarily, uh, I don't think he can necessarily show it necessarily at all times, but like, you know, in the way that Colson might be able to, but like he yeah. certainly knows how to process them essentially because There's... internally rather, because the way that he knows that they're not going to survive without that thing. And just, he just immediately funny that I said Kali Ma earlier, he yeah. just sort of, I mean, literally you, he, as she's talking, he just like reaches up into his chest and thunk, just yeah pulls right out. Just no hesitation. Uh, he, Enoch has a, a real, um, like sort of autistic, uh, vibe to him, mm. uh, at times. And especially in this episode with like the literal thinking sort of, I, I, you know, I'm feeling this, even though it's not showing on my face, I'm feeling, I'm feeling what's going on here, you know, uh, curious about what, almost like an anthropological curiosity about like what people go through you know oh this is interesting do lots of people go through this or is this just me or like stuff like that um i do want to uh point out that uh the other thing is when he was like this is going to be your last mission so cherish it i was like oh my god so now they have to do this mission and then also periodically be like wait am i cherishing this enough (laughs) yeah that's that's a really tough one you know like the concept of like you go to do the final blow on the enemy, but you're like, well, hang on, guys, can we take a quick selfie can of we this? Get a like, selfie? can we can we like commemorate this moment? You're like, that's tough, you know. Yeah. Or like, are you like on your final mission? Are you going? Have I done a check in with everyone on this right. mission? I should right. just in case. Hey team, how's everyone doing? And that reveals their location. Oh, oops, right. I've ruined the whole thing. Um, it's the last one because you here cherish this, you know, thing. That I've told you, you tried to cherish it, and it gets them all killed. Oh wait, mm. 
Maybe hmm, I shouldn't uh, have even said this. Ooh. Uh, never mind. I take never it mind. back. In fact, actually, never mind. That was an alternate timeline. Yes. Oh, I'm dead. Yeah. Oh, would you look at that? <laughs> dead time. And like, we can tell you're still alive. No, I'm dead. No, no it's, I said dead, goodbye. Dead, dead. Anyway, I'm dead. <laughs> goodbye. Um, no, that's deeply tragic. No, I just, I, I yeah, it's. I do it's like uh, the thought of Nathaniel being like, oh, yeah, no. A selfie? Sure, yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. You want me, like, actually, otherwise no, a horrible person, but very amicable to taking a selfie <laughs> actually more 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 of more in my mind is just like him realizing that maybe he could get the upper hand one last time but like yeah. he just really doesn't have the energy but instead of being like all the more all the more willing the entire time he's just going what does that even mean no stop <laughs> stop talking to each other like answer me i want <laughs> what is a selfie and like he's just like screaming for people to answer like the idea of nathaniel like you know being Simple not from a time where show him exists. what a selfie <laughs> Yeah. He knows everything about everything except for the time stream wasn't didn't like fill him in on that one thing. Exactly. He knows what TikTok is. He knows everything. Just selfies are like, what is that? Does he know what TikTok is? Does he know? Oh yeah. It just happens that he there's one tiny little hole in his knowledge and it's Oh, I thought selfies. you meant that he actually references TikTok in the thing. No, no, I, don't no, think, no. I was like, I didn't think that happened. I was like, wow, that's weird. I don't remember that scene at all, but now I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh He's yeah. Like, no. Yeet. Yeah, could you Okay, listen, I gotta tell you this though. If I wrote a show where there was a guy who figured out that there was time that he had lost, right? Because yeah. he technically was dead. And then like he was able to see into the future. I would yeah. absolutely have him just start quoting stuff that he wasn't around for because he still yeah. liked it. Like yeah. to, okay, this is terrible, but like fighting someone, killing them, and like then their life force is just gone to then go, this bitch empty. Yeet, <laughs> and then throw them across the room. And then he's like, did you get that one, guys? Because that one... And they're like, that's so 2007. He's like, I haven't even gotten there. Let yeah. me have this. You're like throwing like a yeah. hissy fit because to them it's so old. But for him, it's like, Haha, this is all something that we can all laugh at, right? And they're like, no. And he's like, God damn it. Let me have um, this. Hey, real quick. In D&D, uh, listener, if you play D&D and your character uh, can do this move, I, I would suggest a reinterpretation of divine intervention where it's divine intervention. Mm. And... The spiritual person like is a vine character, or so they uh, you can know. only. Okay, hang on. I like this though, where you can own you can ask a question, but they can only respond in vine yeah. quotes. Yeah, and so Ro- like let's it, interpret uh, that as best you can. Uh, road work. Oh, God, I hope so. Yeah. And that's it. Exactly. And they go. Okay. <laughs> They're saying that it works. And they hope so. So that must mean that if we do this, it'll work. Because, you know, if, if I ask I can't that, believe you've done this. Exactly. Because like, if I asked him this question and instead he did the, you know, take it away, Penny. Oh, <laughs> hell no. Oh. Like, I would realize that means I can't do that. You know, things like that. That would be good stuff, you know. It's a good one. I love that SpongeBob yeah, one. Take it away, Penny. <laughs> oh, hell no. Oh. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um. What's also good stuff though is just the ending of this. Like, I mean, it was yeah. it's deeply haunting. Uh, mm-hmm. I just feel like, like again, like it it's like really weird and emotional to get into. But like, you know, it's um, I don't know, man. Like, it's also really tough because like again, he gets to be around people that love him, right? Yeah, people that do enjoy him. I think the thing that is also kind of tragic though is that like the people who mean one hundred percent the most don't get to be there, which is which is also kind of like a tragic thing. I mean, like, again, I'm not saying that Daisy and Coulson don't mean a lot to him because they clearly do. Right. But I mean, but, like, 
It'd be cool if Fitz were there. Right. Or, I mean, or even, you know, Simmons, you know, like, or right. Deke. I mean, because, like, the, the thing is, like, so Deke is there. Uh, we've revealed by now he's the grandkid, right? Yeah. But, like, you know, in a way, Enoch was kind of also adopted into their family. Yes. You know? He's kind of well, like the wacky uncle, you know? Wasn't he officially adopted in a scene with Deke and Simmons? And, like, he he was like... She's like, you're part this. of the family now. You, whatever. You're, I you're, think like, so, but I don't know if there's they, something like that. I don't know if they've effectively said we're adopting you necessarily, but like for sure, they definitely have said you're a part of the family. Like, yeah, I think family. because of how much that, yeah, exactly. He is a bald man. He um, is. And he was like, hmm, I feel the need to drive a car recklessly fast. And they're like, don't, please. You already did that in 1973. True, true. Good point. Wow. <laughs> uh, and he goes, and he goes, never mind. Mission accomplished. Hey, uh, listener. The the edit where you edit a Fast and the Furious trailer with Enoch in 1973, I'll send you a piece of merch. Yeah, hey, if you give us a fan cam <laughs> like that, that'd be sick. <laughs> hey, Enoch fan cam when? I don't know how to do fan cams, but if you do, yeah. seriously, hey, listen, I think the BTS guys will understand why you didn't put your 12th one out today. Yeah. Like, just do an Enoch one for, just for us real quick. Thanks. I, I, I have a, 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 a Pablo... I can only think of Picasso. What's his name? P- Pedro Pascal? Pedro Pascal. Yep. Pablo, I don't know where that came from. I have a Pedro Pascal level of understanding of what a fan cam is. Mm. Uh, and that's a dimly remembered definition from that sketch from a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. So I think I know what it is. I think sure. I could point it out in a lineup maybe, but like. <laughs> <laughs> if I put three different types of videos in front of you, could you point out the fan cam? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, but I, I just think that like, you know, again, like it sucks because it's like, he is a part of the sciencey family. Mm-hmm. And so of course the sciencey family has to go solve the day. Um, but like, listen, it's weird. Like Did part you, of me, you said solve the day and I like that. Did you mean save the day or solve the day? Did I really say solve? I really thought I said save yeah. the day. Whoops. I, I mean, s- you're, you're not wrong. I think I may have started <laughs> to say like solve the problem and then yeah. save the day kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, same time. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just like, it. it's unfortunate because again, they mean a lot to him, but it's also, I remember watching it back, you know, when I was taking these notes and I couldn't remember, like it had been a while since I'd last watched the entire show all the way through. So I couldn't remember everything from this moment. Of, although again, I did know it was coming and I got nervous for a second when he goes, fits like very quietly under his breath. Yeah. And then there's a long pause. I thought he was about to rosebud it. Uh-huh. And I truly thought for a brief moment, I was like, is his last word going to just be fits and then just die? Like, how ungodly tragic is that? Like, to know that, like, his final thought and word was yeah. just fits. You know, and you're like, oh. Yeah. But then he goes, he was my best friend. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Um, and it's great because, like, it's this thing of, okay, this is my final thought on this moment, which is simply that if... Like, I mean, obviously we know why he can't, well, sorry, you and I know why he can't be there. You will all figure it out eventually. Um, Soon. Soon, people. I guess. I mean, like, I mean, rather, like, I guess he won't address it. It'll be Gemma. But it doesn't matter. Anyway, you'll get it. Um, But, like, eventually we'll get there. But, like, what's kind of nice, though, is that you know that, like, if he could have been there, if there was some way to do this, I know exactly how I would have written or how I would have had it, whatever which would be I would have taken a scene from a previous season where the two of them had a conversation and he he said this exact same thing where he goes, you know, 
like fits like you know he's like you are my best friend right and have him turn to him and say like in the first one he's like you are literally the worst right yeah but like for him to be like you're literally the worst like quietly like just like saying it like yeah. as kind of like a callback sure like but saying it through tears but almost like almost like you're you're the worst because you're leaving me kind of thing you know like, right exactly that kind of thing. but like you know that that was like a whisper on the wind in a way for yeah. him. like he knows he was just like kind of like you know Two kiss, like a kiss to the two fingers, and you're like up to the sky. You're like, you know, yeah. But this time, instead of it being for God, it's, you know, it's for the guy that's in the time vortex, you know, right. hurtling above time and space, you know, over you, which I guess maybe he doesn't recognize is there, but, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, anyway, the Deeply tragic. science family yep. is the Fantastic Four. Fitz is Mr. Fantastic. Gemma's okay. Invisible Woman. Deke is clearly the Human Torch, and Enoch is the thing. I would flip those around. Oh, you mean that the uh, large, indestructible person who is the best friend of Mister Fantastic, which should be Deke? Listen, no, but here's 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 the only who's mm, not see, part of the tough. family, but is adopted into is the family. Tough. That is tough. But here's here's one of the reasons why I feel like the powers and stuff like that are these. Okay, sort powers of wise, sure, fine. Because here's here's the thing, right? Uh, Deke does it's spend rock hard. No, but what? he does spend a lot of time mining rocks and stuff like that in the future. Sure. So he has a lot of rock time. Mm-hmm. And um, we have, in fact, seen Enoch uh, turn burst into flames before. That's true. <laughs> Just he didn't he couldn't flame off after. So <laughs> we should be clear on that. He, it's it's that I can catch a bullet like I can catch a flying bullet once kind of thing. Like right, exactly, he can flame yeah. on once, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, but you are right. No, I w- I would agree with that that with that assessment though of like yeah. him being the best friend, also bald, you know. Yeah. Uh, and no, you know, of course that's yeah. He isn't bald in the in the comics, but isn't he always bald? I think I feel like I've I've seen, every version I've seen of him is bald before rocks. He looks except like... for except for the Fantastic Four movie of can Johnny and Susan come out to play? I feel like it's the only version I've ever seen with hair. Yeah, no. Uh, in the original comics, uh, when they were when the first like two hundred Fantastic Four comics, mm-hmm. there was an active running arc of Reed is trying to solve yeah the thing right. And so he'll occasionally get, and actually the way they have it now is that one day a year, uh, Ben gets to be Ben Grimm and not the thing. Just the way they mm. like the fantastic or the Future Foundation had a solve where one day a year he gets to change back. I don't remember what the I read the comic, but I don't remember what the why that is. But yeah, he has hair. He looks sort of like um, kind of like Jim Thorpe. You know that old mm, yeah. athlete Jim Thorpe. Yeah. Kind of like exactly like that. Interesting. He's balding, but like sure. not bald. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, that's that's neither here nor there in yep. like four different ways. Anyways. Yep. <laughs> uh, that is all that I have, us. though, for this, other than just to say, love a good lube episode and like a very powerful and good episode. Colin, um, well done. Thank you. Very well done. Thank you. Just like you like your meat. Incredibly nope. well done. Nope. Charred to this was a medium rare win for Colin, which is the way I like it. Fair enough. Uh, medium rare win, um, slightly cold, medium rare W. <laughs> I'm gonna start, the next time someone does something online, you know, I say like common W or whatever, like I'm gonna, I'm literally gonna be like medium rare W, and they're gonna go, What the hell does that mean? Just the uh, way I like it, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, All right. well, I think that only leaves us with Avengers Ensemble. Let's do it? an Avengers Ensemble. How about? Avengers Ensemble. Oh, damn, time loop. 
Avengers Ensemble. <laughs> you started over four times. Okay. So this is Avengers of, nope, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 7, Episode 9, As I Have Always Been. It aired on July 22nd, 2020. Colin, before we get any further, let's play a hangman of events that happened between this episode airing and the last episode airing in 2020. It's uh, two words, two letters for the first one, and then seven for the second one. It's again my birthday. That's a, it's, a, it's, it's my birthday also again. I'm not done looping that one. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this episode was directed by Elizabeth Henstridge. Whoa, cool. This was her directorial debut. Um, that's Gemma, for yeah. anyone who didn't know. Um, she went on to direct two episodes of Superman and Lois and mm-hmm. one episode of Gotham Knights. Was she on Superman and Lois? Yeah. Oh, cool. I believe so. I'm, I'm going to double check. I'm pretty okay. certain that she was. As you know, I only looked at her directorial credits uh, for this one, so I, I, I didn't notice. You can keep talking. I'm just going to double oh, okay. check while we're... Uh, this episode was written by Drew Z. Greenberg. Z stands for zombie. Uh, he also directed 12 <laughs> other episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., six episodes of Arrow, eight episodes of Warehouse 13. He directed the Hidden Enemy screenplay for Lego Star Wars 3 The Clone Wars. One episode of Caprica, 19 episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars, two episodes of Dexter, three episodes of Smallville, 25 episodes of Buffy, and one episode of Firefly. Um, It is the episode of Firefly called Safe, since there's only a couple of uh, Firefly episodes. People that hear Firefly are like, ooh, Firefly will probably be like, ooh, which one? Um, And so She's not in it, by the way. Sorry. She is not in it. Okay. And then, uh, finally, we have three more uh, pickup credits. Uh... The script supervisor team uh, and continuity department. Uh, first, we have Melanie Bradfield. That is Melanie with two L's. Uh, Melanie Bradfield uh, did continuity script supervision script supervision for 72 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, one episode of The Gifted. Uh, she also did one episode of Bones. Six episodes of Roswell. And a show that has no place in this list other than, well, you'll see in a second. Uh, she also did script supervision for 69 episodes of The District. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah, that is Melanie Bradfield. She also did script supervision for Apt Pupil, which is based on a Stephen King uh, short story. Mm. Uh, next up, uh, Chris Freyer, or Fryer. Uh, he is, uh, he did. 26 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 10 episodes of Hellstrom, which also does have a time loop element to it. So uh, it's cool that he had the experience from this to to work on that, which is kind of fun. And then also 10 episodes of Poker Face, which stars Natasha Lyonne, who is in Red uh, Russian Doll, which we talked about earlier. And finally, the, uh, I believe, assistant, you know, additional script supervisor, uh, this is Catherine Jelski, Catherine with a C, and she did um, script additional script supervision for 42 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, and she also did script supervision for Good Girls, which is an excellent show, Our Flag Means Death, three episodes of that, um, Angeline, one episode of that, uh, Jurassic World Dom- Dominion, and... 
she was the additional script supervisor for the Barbie movie that's coming out. So oh, any cool. continuity you see, not the main continuity, but like any additional continuity that is sort of like secondary, uh, probably Catherine Jelski had some uh, had had a hand in that. So very cool. Those are our script supervisors for this episode, um, and that is all I have for Avengers Ensemble. So shall Perfect. I take us? Out of the time loop and uh, into back into the the real world, and into the future, which would be 1983. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Hey, listener, you hung in there for this time loop. The thing about time loops, Colin, is if you're into them, they're awesome, and if you're not, they are a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> If you're like, boy, I sure hate time. Oh, God. It's like if you, it's like clip shows. I imagine yeah. there are some people out there that are into clip shows. Yeah, sure. Theoretically. Um, but it's for just me, when I see it. Yeah, yeah, it is just a time loop. Interesting. Yeah. It, oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. It's not Anyways. really, it keeps repeating necessarily, but it is something where you're like, yeah. I've heard it before. I've already, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's like a time loop with nothing new added each time. It's, yeah. uh, you know, the worst kind. So thank you for listening uh, to this episode. As always, as I have always been, I'm James Anderson. And as I have always been, I'm Colin Parker. And as we have always said, together at the same time, Phlebotinum. Phlebotinum. <laughs>